That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast rewatching Batman v Superman one minute at a time and a historic milestone, minute 120, two hours on the dot. And boy, have we arrived at an incredible, incredible line delivery to mark that occasion. Minute 119 came to a close with everything crumbling around Clark. <sighs> so, as always, he goes to Lois and informs her, I need to go to Gotham and foil Lex's plan by convincing Batman to help me. Let's see how Minute 120 starts. Or he has to die. Clark. No one stays good in this world. You referred to this as a great big or... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Or I have to kill him. Yeah. I'll get I'll give him points for the fact that when he says it, he it doesn't it's not like he's saying it like he's made this decision. No, he's just say it's like he's saying the rules of the game. Yes. I I don't see yeah. any other outcome here cuz cuz I can't let my mom die. Yeah, it's like saw. He's like I either have to gnaw my arm off or <laughs> my friend dies. I don't know. And it's like, that doesn't mean that he wants to do either of those things. That's <laughs> just what he has to do. One of them. Yeah, and he kind of stares off into space as he says it. And credit to Lois, who as a reminder, has no idea what's going on right now. Yeah. Well, she does know, she just had a crazy talk with Lex, who then pushed her off the roof. And then, yeah. and then, and then Clark saved her and went back up. And so she doesn't know exactly what happened, but she knows, oh, whatever Lex has been doing all of this for did this to Superman. I mean, her discussion with Lex was about like circles <laughs> and, and like Euclidean geometry. So for, as a reminder, Superman says, I have to go to Gotham. I have to convince Batman. I have to convince him to help me. She says, who? Yeah. What does this have to do with Lolita? Again, I don't think she has any. He's like, you remember the guy who starred in Lolita? He, well, do you remember I did that he assignment? I was plays supposed to do Alfred in this movie and he's the butler of Bruce Wayne. Anyway, so I got to like, that's how this connects. Again, Lois can only really say Clark, obviously confused and concerned because he's in distress, visibly in distress. He's not somebody who would ever kill lightly or unless he absolutely had to, which I think is why this is such a, he seems to have a plan. And then when he continues talking, it's clear that he's in crisis. Yeah. He then does, we talked about how he kind of appears next to Lois and the last time we saw him just sort of take off. But this time he, it's like the equivalent of like slowly exiting the room of doing this like slow rise up has never looked sadder. Like he looks in total distress. Despair is honestly the expression saying no one stays good in this world. Yeah. And I think a couple things, first of all, the, the delivery on that line is the only way to deliver where he's like the end of that phrase, you almost expect based on his facial expressions for like his voice to crack. He's like, yeah, he looks like he's about to cry, but he doesn't. And it's such a crazy blend of like, how do you look powerful 
and deliver that line as if you're like welling up like i don't know it's 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 such a perfect balance of like he can't actually cry because that ruins the like the the, he, he set his jaw like literally what you're saying there is try to imagine a character who is accepting they are infinitely powerful infinitely strong must do something horrible but are but is simultaneously crushed that they have to but resigned in acceptance that the world is not good enough to have avoided this. Well, and it's also, there's a big, he said the one, he said, or, or he has to die, which is AKA I have to kill him. Like that's not a Superman thing, right? That's not a thing Superman says, but it's the unspoken or that really hangs heavy there, which I don't think he wants to speak, which is, or my mom dies. AKA the decision that I make right now. He, I don't think he doubts that he can take Batman. So he's, so what literally what he's saying is I have to convince Batman to help me or my mom is going to die unless I kill him at that. Like, like my failure to have no choice, my failure to do anything there, whatever it is, one of those two things, my failure to do either of those things results in her dying. So, yeah. And the, the previous interaction as Clark heard when he made a point of seeing and listening was the only thing that stops men like this is a fist. When he said, the bat's dead, bury it. That wasn't him in character. That was Superman saying, all right, I guess I got to use the stick. Yeah. So now when faced with, I have to convince him to help me, him just being him is going to force my hand. Yeah. Through no fault of his own, really. I mean, it's not like he's making some kind of, he doesn't want to hurt Batman. Yeah. Oof. It's also crazy too, because of all the things about Superman in this movie, that have been like sparked some kind of controversy. I think these two back-to-back lines really got under people's skin because first it's Superman saying, or he has to die. First of all, That's the first rule. of all, resigning to, there are no other options. So, so presenting those two options instead of having some master plan to pull it out, he's saying, well, I have to convince him or he has to die saying he seemingly saying he's willing to kill somebody. Um, followed by the hopelessness of no one stays good in this world is I think a lot of people would say that that is like, that's like breaking the no kill rule for Batman to have Superman say something in despair. But I mean, yeah, but you only, I mean, it's like just saying, well, don't put Superman into an impossible scenario because he doesn't get into them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that it's, this moment is kind of what you're building to with someone like, like Zack Snyder, if you tell him, okay, you're going to make a Superman movie. Okay, well, what are the defining traits of Superman? Well, he always finds a way. He always remains hopeful. Okay, how do I change that? Yeah, what is the one thing Lex could actually what do? What it take? So if that is what makes Superman Superman, and Lex Luthor wants to undo Superman, what would Lex Luthor have to do to make Superman kill, to make Superman lose hope? That is that is automatically, immediately then, the most important Superman story you can tell is challenge the thing that makes him Superman by putting- Yeah, they would say, well, you have you go after a special lady, Lois. And then you get to say, no, no. Everybody's special lady is his mother. It's also banking on on what we've seen of her, that she is his tie to humanity. So it's, it's so cruel masterstroke for Lex to do where he would be either 
you become the worst that humanity fears you to be, or the part of you that is anchoring you to humanity dies. Yeah. It's it's like saying what we said, enough is enough. This lie has to end. You are not human if you're a god. Yeah. He said, meet me at the ship so the whole world can see the whole and the holy. Well, now we see what that means. That means proving you will either bring the head of the bat to me in front of the cameras or permanently removing you from humanity. Yeah. Because you become what they said you were. Or or <laughs> I will sever your tie to humanity, in which case you will no longer have the ability to be connected. Like it's like there there is no option that keeps and that's been the his struggle the whole movie what you know watching the news debate must there be a superman maybe he's just a guy trying to do the right thing but as he learns now there is no right thing no you can't try to just be good because nothing stays good in this world i like the way that he says it implies that it's a saying that might have happened earlier in the movie yeah right it isn't but but it has the air of something he heard at this point, I just assume everything is from Jonathan. <laughs> but also, if not that, it's something that he has said internally. Like, that is kind of his fear. Yeah. Or he's- Is that the world is going to- Or almost like he said oh, the opposite. Yeah. Like he said, no, people can be good. And then this is him kind of renouncing that, almost. Yeah, but, well, you either die- Yeah, he, did, he couldn't say that. <laughs> right. But he does, I mean, cape physics on fleek- uh, as he rises and spins around him, the most otherworldly he can look to just totally focus on how he, this he is being forced to be inhuman. Mm-hmm. As I was looking at this shot, I was trying to figure out. Like, I think I said in the in the last minute, like, what movies does this kind of thing happen in? Like, this is not the way it normally goes. And there's a level of drama here that's it's like very operatic. Um, like this doesn't. I can't imagine even just this shot being in like another superhero movie. Um, it, it feels almost, it's like a, like a Casablanca shot or something almost more than a, yeah. than a comic book movie shot. I mean, it's very, or a Zack Snyder's justice league. shot, <laughs> Right. But there's the, 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 the shadow on her face, the, 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 the close up. it's, it's so soft. It's not. Yeah. I mean, everything about this is like, a, you don't get this kind of atmospheric, shot stylized shot in of someone's face in in a moment of just emoting it's not even of something happening it's just of her watching him but it's so yeah all it conveys is the emotion and scale of what is happening is so big that that she is just powerless arguably just as important as diana's feet (laughs) yeah they are the accent of the shot but keep in mind when you i mean you wouldn't know who this is immediately when it cuts to it right then you realize Oh, this is Diana. Oh, wait. She's barefoot in her hotel room? Mm -hmm. When we last left her, she was seeing the lights flickering and realizing that something horrible was happening. And now we cut to, uh, it's it's funny too, because like when we cut to her, 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 she's like up on the ball of her foot, Mm -hmm. poised. And then we realize, no, she is just packing her luggage. She's just walking around her hotel room. Mm -hmm. She's wearing a bathrobe. And she, she, so she, she was wearing heels and a dress and, and her hair is in a ponytail and she's on a bathrobe and she's putting her pajamas out on the bed. Fire going. Yeah. Like this is not my problem. None of this is my concern. Yeah. Very surprising. There's just something going from how we have seen her in this movie as she's been like, you know, almost like a coiled snake. Like we've been waiting for her, obviously knowing that she's Wonder Woman, waiting for her to leap into action. And then we get this cut of... Absolute opposite. 
She's totally flat-footed, strutting around in her bathrobe. This communicates everything. The confusion, the dumbfoundedness of the audience saying, why is she just ignoring what's happening? Well, especially juxtaposed against like Superman literally in the same this exact same minute of the movie. This is the great gauntlet, the crucible of his lifetime. Yeah, like Superman literally just said, or I have to kill him. No one stays good in this world. As far as like lines Superman can utter, that's a big deal to make that character say that. And then and then this happens. <laughs> and then we hear the audio of the news story saying, much of the city remains in darkness. The, the world is literally falling into darkness. Much chaos, mm-hmm. confusion happening on the streets of Metropolis as she, like you said, lays out her pajamas. There's too much confusion. The relief in this scene comes in the form of, I'll say, because we know what her profession is at this point, what looks to be museum-grade documents encased in Lucite. But they're actually Batman and Superman comic books. <laughs> real ones from our world yeah this is one of those easter eggs where it's like i don't know if there's a way to explain it other than it's an easter egg it is a real world thing captured and it is not intended like you've got other dc movies where it's like oh like shazam throws the batman doll at dr savannah no like this is not a in-universe comic it's like that thing that people say with um like Superman wearing the uh, the cape in Man of Steel as a kid, and they're like, well, what's that based on? But no, I don't right, think right, this right. means that they were canonically Batman and Superman comics. This is literally just sneaking these into the frame, like, for fun. We've we've done the work of personally identifying these four comics as, no joke, four of the most valuable comics in the world. Yeah, that was... I was looking at this, and I was having a hard time finding it. I don't know that I've ever seen this called out before. This seems like one of those things people would call out all the time as like a, as an Easter egg. And I, it, sound, it seems familiar, but I don't, it's not one of the ones that, that gets a lot of, um, a lot of highlights, at least that I've been aware of. I'm sure there's someone like listening, who's screaming out the numbers of the comics at us right now, but yeah, we're able to identify them as, what is it? Action comics, one Superman, number one action comics, 27 detective comics. Oh yeah. Sorry. Detective comics, 27. So there's Superman's first appearance and the first issue of the Superman mainline. And then Detective Comics 27 is the introduction of of Batman for the first time ever. But Detective Comics 31 is Batman versus the Vampire, which... Clearly a deleted subplot <laughs> of Snyder's. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's weird that it's it's in this grouping, because it's like, I understand why the, the other ones make sense. And then you'd almost expect like, a, oh, Wonder Woman number one or whatever she was. But no, it's, it's Batman versus the Vampire. And in that issue, he chases down a monk who releases a giant <laughs> gorilla on him and he wrestles the gorilla and literally just think that it's a rare comic that is valuable. Like, yeah, like you said, top, like the four most valuable Batman comics and Superman comics. Yeah. I think that's the only, only explanation that makes sense as to why these are the four. Yeah. It would be, I think if you were a, a Batman fan or a DC lore fan, Batman lore fan, as I be- the suspected owner of these comics is, the 31 is the first appearance of what will be, or what is referred to as the Batplane and the Batarang, which are both prominent parts of Batman's arsenal uh, in general, but then in this movie specifically. Yeah. Well, don't they call it the Bat Gyro? 
That's what it, they do at first, but then he calls it bat plane by the end of the issue. So they obviously knew that was a way better word. I kind of, I dig bad gyro, but yeah. Or some people say gyro. Anyway, Diana clearly having arrived from an alternate universe where Superman and Batman are merely fictional characters um, and is now investigating who they are in this world. Uh, maybe it's like a page master thing, like she's gone into the comic. Anyway, yeah. all of those questions are sadly left unresolved because power flickers and Diana goes to her laptop to investigate what is happening. And we get two things that I would like to call out here. We again get a check of the date um, of when this is happening. We mentioned this before on the invitation to Lex's party and the news headline. I think it's November 2nd. But more importantly, Stephen, the time on her computer says it is 11.29 p.m., which means it is now 31 minutes to midnight. So if we were wondering what that clock was actually counting down to, our man Lex did not only put together this 18 months long plan minimum years ripening the fruit of batman's hate master master stroke he also brings it down so that superman will arrive at the top of lexcorp tower at 11 o'clock p.m with 60 minutes to go midnight is the deadline let's all just soak in that because that also means midnight is basically the birth time of the plan that is currently uh, the source of the electric power surges at the crash Kryptonian ship. And midnight on what day is that? So it's November 12th, which means it will be the stroke of midnight into November 13th. Okay. So there you go. There was no meta textual reference to the chronology of the movie, purely in world then Lex has clocked this all out to midnight. As Diana gets onto her computer, we see that she receives a message from Bruce Wayne informing her that boys share two. Not a terrific comeback from Bruce Wayne, but that's never really been his strong suit. He sends Diana a message saying that he has, as we know, it's happened some time ago, I cracked Luther's drive and found your photograph, but it doesn't belong to you. And as she scrolls through and sees the World War I photograph that we are familiar with, the minute precisely ends as Bruce clarifies, it is you. The secret's out. Right as we get the first of those uh, cello notes. Well, first, second. Yeah, we've heard it before, but yeah. Yes, the first strings of, of her looming theme approaching. We entered this minute wondering, or I guess it was in the previous minute, we were wondering, oh my gosh, is this going to be when she goes into action? We realize here, no, quite the opposite. She is totally uninterested. I'm turning a blind eye to what is happening. But as the power flickers, she goes to get more information. So there is this clue that she is maybe wanting to know more casually. Maybe she's pretending she doesn't totally care, but then we get what is actually going to prompt I guess, a decision to be made. You cracked Luther's drive. The photograph doesn't belong to you. It is you. And on that note, we hit two hours of this movie. One hour for each of the leads. We timed that out perfectly to happen at 11.29 on November 12th in movie time. Perfectly executed on our part, I might say. Look at us. When did this movie come out? April... March 19th. It's a trick question. It was November 13th. Steven. Yeah. Before the message pops up, I'm going to assume obviously 
as the message, it is you, is scrolled to, even though we can't see it, the 11.29 p.m. on Diana's computer switches over to 11.30, obviously. Right? That goes without saying. It is perfectly synchronized to the second, right? Would you allow me to read you the brief glimpse of the CNN homepage? What other news stories were just moments away from being clicked by Diana's achingly low sensitivity mouse? Yes. Wallace Keefe, the true story behind the DC bomber. This was published most recently. Additional information says what I think it does. It was published one minute ago, which means Lois may have gotten her story out. Second news story, council set to approve tunnel under Strikers Island. Ooh. Referring to... Justice League. Next story. Superman protests continue around the world. Obviously, no surprise there. Next story. Bell Rev Prison gets new warden. Ooh. Some might question why that is of equal significance in the news. I don't know what mm-hmm. Diana's algorithm is tailored to. I don't know what CNN's analytics are in the DCEU. Next story. Near miss above Metropolis. I'll let your imagination run wild on that. Danger obscures underground geothermal aqueduct. I would say that this would be maybe a nod to Aquaman if people were really looking for it. If we're talking about Bell Rev Prison, then... No, read, read that again. Danger obscures underground geothermal aqueduct. Oh, obscures? I feel like, yeah, I feel like I would describe, if we're talking about the tunnel under Strikers Island, which I think they refer to as being a, an aqueduct at one point, right? Well... Yeah, because, yeah, well, because I'm because there was supposed to be a parademon nest in there. Maybe that's the geo. Anyway, anyway, they're alluding to some creepy stuff with that that could be taken a bunch of ways. Still not as loaded as the next headline: gallery fifteen dogs that look like Superman. <laughs> now, if there was ever a deleted scene that we needed, Diana clicked the wrong link. <laughs> And then the final and then the final news story just says strange signals from distant planets. But I don't think that would be related to anything that we're talking about in this movie. So Um No, but it says here once rung, the bell <laughs> cannot be unrung. Ding 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 ding. And then it just says ding for the rest of the article. Weird. Weird. Super anyway. Odd. I can't make out the other little tiles on her taskbar, but one can assume what they are. It was a big news day in the DCEU on Monday, (laughs) November 12th, it turns out. (laughs) 15 dogs that look like Superman. Obviously, I will preempt the end of our episode and say, if you have any information relating to this gallery, please let us know on Twitter at BVS by the minute. Or if you have a dog that looks like Superman, we'll look at your dog. Absolutely. And let you know if it looks like Superman or not. Not like crypto, like Superman. I'm a little disappointed there wasn't a reference to a horse somewhere in here. (laughs) Anyway, that is the news on the day of a really fun little batch of Easter eggs. I really want people to appreciate all of the things that we just said that are Easter eggs and all of the video clips that we are about to see on the scope of what this meant to superhero movies. And then look in that photo she scrolls to where you can see itty bitty Zack Snyder in the background of the photo, in this photo, looking very much like a little kid holding onto both straps of his backpack. <laughs> Minute 120 completed of Batman v Superman, a milestone to those people who have come with us this far. We thank you. The next 50? We are 66% done. <laughs> Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, If you haven't already, this is another invitation to um, 
please, if you would be so kind, leave a review, share the podcast for those people in your life that had heard about the podcast and were thinking, yeah, maybe I'm interested, but let me know when they get to minute 120 to know that they're really committed to to doing it. Now's the time. You guys have some texts to send. If you want to continue supporting us for the rest of the movie and for... We're within sight of the end of the movie now. So before long, we're going to be looking at what comes next and what comes next. I mean, I'm going to be arguing for Man of Steel. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's always like, but yeah, I, I, I'm every time I go back to that, I'm like, Ooh, this needs, this needs a minute by minute. But yeah, if you want to stay up to date on this podcast, whatever podcast comes next, whatever podcast we are doing, you can go to SnyderMinute.com or you can throw a dollar or two our way at Patreon.com slash SnyderMinute. And as always, follow us on Twitter at BVS by the minute. Celebrate um, by telling us your favorite minute of the last 120. Do you have a favorite? Ooh, there were multiple minutes within the nightmare that I was a big fan of, but I think one of my favorites might be the, the minute where right before the hearing when Finch basically breaks down the whole movie and in 60 seconds you got like a snippet of everybody's story at that point with Finch as the as the dialogue over. Love that one. How about you? Uh, it was this one. That will do it for this episode. <laughs> we leave you now with um, a chilling reminder that when gifted artists, filmmakers, and craftsmen create something beautiful to share with the world, strange, obsessive, and highly neurotic film fanboys like to share too. You know what happened on November 13th? What? Oh, I don't know. I was asking.